Dana's still trying to make fights, even though it might not be right. With the fire collection and the fire reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody? Guys, girls, anything in between, juice heads of all ages, shapes, and sizes. I love you. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the quarantine MMA fan, hosted by a quarantined man. And I'm that man. My name is Juice. Let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today, and uh, then I'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, first, we're going to talk about UFC 250, get in some obligatory MMA talk so that I can still call this an MMA podcast. Then I'm going to introduce a new segment called LA Stories. Not sure how long that one's going to um, that one's going to last, but uh, I figured I'd tell some stories from my time in LA that are fun to me. And uh, then, of course, we're going to get into the forum. So uh, let's start with UFC 250. So by now you know, and I believe this was already. Uh, news uh, last time I recorded that UFC 249 is officially canceled and it was supposed to happen last night if it was meant to happen so if you're listening now I would hope that you knew that and so basically the UFC turned their attention to UFC 250 on May 9th they're still determined to make this thing happen and uh I'm not sure if it's safe. I, I really am I'm not. But I, I don't want to bury them. I don't, I don't want to sit here and, and, and say it's reckless. Because as I, I mentioned before, I've, you know, I've been very much struggling with, with the morality of this. And I can't say that I won't watch. And I know that they say like the only way to let them know is, is with, your, with your wallet, with, with your lack of viewership or, or whatever. But... With the new ESPN Plus pay-per-view structure, I'm not sure that's even the case because they get a minimum of 500,000 buys. So, yeah. But I did read an interesting article, and I want to shout out um, The Athletic for giving just absolutely the best coverage, especially in this time, um, and very unique, and just very much uh, the kind of coverage I want to hear for, um, hear from. Uh, the kind of co- kind of content that I'm here for is what I meant to say, um, but uh, this is a piece done by Ben Folks about um, the sort of steps that they would have to put in place and the um, what's the word like precautionary measures they would have to put in place to successfully and safely put on this event. It was it was collaborated with an epidemiologist. Um, that's relevant because that's the only kind of uh, opinions I want to hear about in this sort of situation. I kind of want to hear, I mean, if you, if you have experience in the medical field, I absolutely want to hear from you, but in terms of like actual ramifications of things like that, I want to hear from an epidemiologist. I want to hear from a scientist who is in that field, who works with diseases on a day-to-day basis and knows kind of the ins and outs of this virus and things like that. Like, so, so that's really why I want to shout them out because they, they did it with the right people and, um, really go, go check out the athletic. I mean, it should still be going on. Um, they have a deal where, um, they'll get, they're giving you a 90 day free trial, a 90 day free trial 
during this whole mess. Uh, and that's very, very cool of them. Um, some of the best, best minds in our sport are there. And I really, I really mean that my, my favorite sports writer right now. And I say sports writer, but I really mean MMA writer because I don't really, uh, follow other sports and the ones that I do like football and such, the writing is pretty much all the same, uh, in my opinion anyway. Um, so my favorite sports writer right now is Fernanda Praches and she delivers absolutely amazing, amazing content for the athletic, great articles, great insight. And uh, probably my second favorite, like tied for my second, is Sean Oshadi and Chuck Mindenhall, also both in The Athletic. Like these fucking people are just incredible. And of course, Chad Dundas, Ben Folks, Josh Gross. Like I could list all the people that are involved in it. They're really fantastic, but definitely check them out. And um, basically, I, re I read that article and it, it made me feel a little better. Because I was like, okay, so they could do this. But at the same time, it didn't make me feel better because I'm not so sure that they're actually collaborating with this person or, or someone of their caliber to, to make this event happen, if that makes sense. I don't know that they are. But I would like to remain optimistic and, and say that. But there was something in the article that really stood out to me. And that was, um, you've heard about this thing that they've been talking about, you know, of course, it's a hashtag because that's the only way people can communicate nowadays, flatten the curve. Um, that has to do, and I, and I don't know exactly the ins and outs of that whole um, analogy, if you will. So I, I'm not going to pretend to know what that means. Essentially, I mean, I, I have an idea of what it means, but not enough to be able to regurgitate it and explain it. But basically, it, it, it's the curve of, of how we're going to beat this thing. And, and, and I, I guess it peaks at the at the most uh, cases or whatever, and then it has to downtrend, things like that. He was saying the same amount of time that it takes to get over the front end of the curve is the exact amount of time it's going to you know, take to get over the back end of the curve. So if it took two months, uh, on the front side, it's going to take another two months. So doing things like this is, is very much uh, a, a case to be to be made that it would drag it out if that makes sense so i'm not going to be a debbie downer i'm not going to say any more and then i just want to say i hope you keep that in mind when you're when you're saying oh mickey mouse took 249 from us like it was some like thing that we were entitled to and that, that it was some something that wasn't dangerous like just stop um you know so um let, let's put the negativity aside let's talk about 250 because actually since uh, they scrapped 249, moved most of those fights to 250, but added some, uh, some other fights and, and removed some others. I think it's a pretty damn good card. Um, so I'm going to go top to bottom or sorry, bottom to top so that we kind of save the best for last. And, uh, here we go. The opening up the card is going to be Charles Rosa versus Bryce Mitchell. And let's disclaimer. This may not be the actual order at, at time. They may shuffle things around, but this is what we have so far. So I'm just going to give it that way. Charles Rosa versus Bryce Mitchell. That's a great fight. That's a fight that should be made even outside of the pandemic because they're both, you know, young up and coming featherweights trying to break into the uh, to the top 15. So that's a really good fight. Both good submissions. Um, Bryce is nasty as hell. Uh, I think he probably gets that one done, but uh, I'll save my official predictions. Um, Vicente Luque versus Nico Price. Now, I'm still, 
I'm still a little a little weird, weird about this one, and I know that there are people that are like worship Nico Price and and think that Vicente Luque is like this great thing, and they're both great prospects, and this is something that the violence gods uh, are are happy about for sure. But look, they fought already, and it wasn't that competitive. I, and I know they've both gotten better, but I, I'm not I'm not so convinced that like one that's going to make up a whole lot of difference. Like I, I watched back the first fight. Nico was hurt pretty badly before Vicente sunk in that Darce. And it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And it was, it's weird. I, I watched Nico Price's debut against Brandon Thatch. And I thought he was basically primarily a grappler. And I think that's because the blueprint was already out on Thatch. And you just knew he just had to take him down real quick and submit him. And that he would just basically quit and tap right away. And that's what happened. <laughs> but uh, Nico's a brawler for sure. Like that's his main thing. And he's got a lot of power. But Vicente was able to kind of neutralize that and, and I guess play his game a little bit. And I'm not sure that's not going to happen again. Uh, like I'd rather, I'm going to try to see Nico Price versus Muslim Salikov. I'm really still salty about that. I know I'm probably the biggest Muslim Salikov fan you know, but that's still, it doesn't change the fact that it's a fight that needs to happen. So, um, that aside, um, Ronaldo Jacare Souza versus Uriah Hall. Love that fight. Uh, I'm a Uriah Hall believer. I just think he, uh, his mental game needs some work sometimes and he kind of, you know, is, is a little bit, uh, not there sometimes, but, um, he was beating uh, he was beating Paulo Costa in the first round of their fight, and a lot of you guys think Paulo Costa is a future champion. Who? So, and he showed a lot of improvement in his last fight against Shoeface. I mean, that was a great performance, and that's basically Jacare's game. So, um, this is a really exciting fight. I, I would rate Jacare better than Shoeface, not necessarily in terms of their jujitsu, just overall MMA. Um, but damn, it's a good fight. Carla Esparza versus Michelle Watterson, also a great fight. I mean, uh, Carla is, uh, you know, one of those one of those things where she was the first strawweight champion, you know, inaugural champ from when they had the Ultimate Fighter, and then she lost to Joanna right away, and people just sort of wrote her off. But um, she's she's given us some great fights, and uh, her last fight, she showed she was tough as hell. I could have sworn like that broke that armbar from Alexa Grasso broke her arm, dude. That shit was nuts. And uh, Michelle Watterson's always game. I was rewatching her episode of Bully Me Down the other day. Not that that has anything to do with her actual ability uh, against a real opponent, but it was just it was just fun to watch. So definitely go watch that if you haven't, because I can't trust you if you haven't seen Bully Beatdown. I just can't. Alexi Olenek versus Fabricio Verdum. I like this fight a lot. This again is a fight that that can take place and should be taking place even in normal circumstances. That, that was my problem with the last fight. It was it was an amalgamation of 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 fights that were supposed to happen on other cards that were just sort of thrown together slash you know short notice replacement opponents plus also a few fights that no one asked for with random people that just said yes who are willing to fight on short notice this this card feels a little more put together so i like i like this fight a lot um both obviously their main game is is jujitsu and submissions but uh both can strike i would i would say fabricio has probably better stand up but uh who knows man I mean, this is a great this is a great fight. Anything can happen in heavyweight. Speaking of anything happening in heavyweight, 
Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. I still got DeCastro on this. Uh, I will not hear anything positive about Greg Hardy. I never will. Um, I don't care if he ends up becoming top five. Blech. Nope. Hashtag fuck Greg Hardy. Always, dude. And uh, I like Jorgen a lot, actually. So so that's a really fun fight. Shout out to... Um, Shout out to Tev Talks and LT Speaks. I believe um, they said that they um, both of their moms were like happy uh, about uh, Jorgen de Castro because uh, he was a Cape Verde, and I think that's really cool. Uh, I love seeing those tweets like that whenever certain fighters are fighting. Like, put out your fucking ethnicity. That's see, that's the thing I, I love about these fights. Let me let me just take a pause from from going down the car real quick because one of the reasons I love MMA. Is that it's nationalistic? It is. Is it about fighting for your your pr pride of your country, pride of your uh, hometown, your state, wherever you're from? You they they always rep their 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 country, their state, and, and I I just I love to see that shit. I really do. And this one feels um, largely void of or devoid, whichever the proper term is, of. Uh, of international fighters now a lot of these uh a lot of the international fighters we're getting on this card are people that live in the u.s so it's able to happen so so you still get some of that but uh because of the fact that you know most international travel is banned or limited um we're not getting that that's why that's why fight island was this whole thing that people keep talking about which i maintain was just sort of a publicity stunt um it, it's goddamn ridiculous to, to think about um fights actually taking place on an island like if you don't think like this shit is 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 like oh just something from a movie like listen to ariel's podcast with chael sonnen from a few weeks ago or maybe it was a week ago at this point time is really just a fucking metaphor in quarantine metaphor is not the right word but it's early um chael fought in costa rica on an island uh, or like an island off the coast of Costa Rica or something like that, or maybe just on a beach. And he said that the fucking canvas was really hot. Like there was a lot of things about it that just weren't ideal. Like they had a medical tent versus like actual staff. Like it was just sort of like, eh. And that was an event that they had time. I mean, granted, this was Bodog. Um, it wasn't the UFC, um, but it was, uh, you know, an event that they had time to to plan out. And at that time, Bodog was one of the major promotions in the sport. And um, they had a lot of financial backing because it was like a, from, from a betting website or something like that. So so they had money. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Certainly not Endeavor money. Certainly not UFC money. But, you know, I don't know. Fight Island seems like a pipe dream at this point is my, my main thing. I don't know that that's the solution to this whole thing. Or that we should be even be looking for a solution. But... I'll try not to focus on that too much, but, um, yeah, that, that, that's another reason why I'm kind of wary about these fights, but then you got, um, Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis too. Now this, in my opinion, like, I don't want to see either of these guys really fight anymore. Like, especially not up and comers, but if they're going to fight, they're going to fight each other. And I love that. I think that's great. And it's a 170, uh, reportedly, which is which is good because like they shouldn't necessarily be fighting a 170, but they also shouldn't necessarily be making those weight cuts to 55 anymore. Like it, it, it's weird. Like both of these guys actually would make a case for 165. Definitely Cerrone more so than Pettis, but uh, yeah, 
a matter of fact, I think it should fucking, because nothing matters anymore, like, none of these fights really should have divisional implications in a time like this. They should both fucking make a gentleman's agreement to weigh in at 165. How about that? Especially if there's not really much of a commission involved, where they can be like, oh, well, it's about the Walter White belt, and it's technically not the, like, fuck that. Weigh in at 165. I'm, I'm going to contact their managers right now. Just kidding, I'm definitely not, but you get the point. Also, Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Qatar. This is another one that um, would be a fight probably to make even in normal circumstances because, you know, Calvin's on the come up, Jeremy's on the decline. And, uh, you know, with the fight game, you have to have the, uh, you know, young lions push out the old lions, unfortunately. Which is not to say like Jeremy Stevens washed up or anything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm a fan of Jeremy Stevens, um, especially after uh, just some of his interviews talking about um, what he went through with depression and and damn near trying to take his own life like things like that uh i love when fighters open up about that big fan of it so really looking forward to this fight and uh i saw calvin cater fight hanato moicano live in brooklyn at ufc 223 um the shit was great so jeremy stevens versus calvin cater great fight and then in versus rosenstrike again this should be a this should really be should be headlining. I need this fight to be five rounds. That's my problem. Is that I need it to be five rounds, especially the fact that Nganu, the only time he's been five rounds, he fucking drowned. And when Jarzinho went five rounds, uh yes, he was losing most of the fight against Overeem, but he was still in it and still landed a big ass haymaker that exploded Overeem's lip in the last few seconds of the fight. So what the fuck? Uh I need this fight to be five rounds. Especially when we have, you know, heavyweights that, you know, generally energy conservation is a big uh, picture, or sorry, is a big talking point, rather, of, of, a, of a fight breakdown, whether it's three rounds or five rounds at heavyweight. It's huge. But I'm back in Jardino. I don't give a fuck about you, Francis Stans. I don't give a fuck. And now we've added, now I won't say this is technically added because I guess it was really supposed to take place. UFC 250, when the cards were sort of announced earlier in the year before the pandemic hit, or rather before actual measures were put in place, let's say that, um, Nunes versus Spencer was meant to take place at UFC 250 in Brazil when it was meant to be Cejudo Aldo headlining, things like that, um, which would have been a fun card in Brazil. But... uh, and it's weird because they both train at um, different gyms in Florida, but then they would both be going to Brazil. It's kind of weird, but uh, uh, I like this fight. I mean, Felicia is the, the right opponent for Amanda at this stage. There isn't really another featherweight. You know, you got to give Megan Anderson another win probably. And so this is the fight. You know, this is a great fight. And uh, the fact that they're, you know, going to have three title fights, I, I think makes it worthy of of a pay-per-view, I guess. And then Cejudo versus Cruz. Now, this is supposed to be Cejudo versus Aldo, which, again, was weird because Aldo was coming off a loss, and we didn't really like that, but, you know, fuck it. Let's, let's here to put fun, we're here to put fun fights on. Let's put on fun fights. I didn't hate it too much. And I don't hate the Cruz thing. Now, people are saying also, like, Cruz is coming off a loss, but it's from, what, four years ago? <laughs> I mean, it was the end of 2016, wasn't it? December 2016, so three and a half years, uh, UC 207, when he lost to Cody. And Cruz's whole thing has been that, oh, if I, if I was, you know, in shape to come back 
in six months. If I didn't get injured, I was meant to get an immediate rematch. It's like, okay, but you didn't, and it's now three and a half years later. And listen, I'm a Cruz fan. Like, I'm picking him to win because, God, I fucking hate Cejudo, but, you know, that um, that layoff doesn't really justify a title fight, in my opinion. That's why the hell he fought Takei Mizugaki in the first place when he was out for all those times when he was supposed to fight Burrell, and then he was out. Fought Takei Mizugaki, was out again, and then finally came back to fight TJ. Like, you know, sometimes layoffs don't warrant title shots, in my opinion. I don't know. It's weird. But I'm I'm trying to think about it outside of the realm of that because we want some semblance of, of normalcy and... Uh, that's a fun fight, and I don't. I don't really know who's who's training. Like, who has the better training setup? And, you know, is what I meant to say. That's a big. That's a big story of it. That's a big talking point. And then finally, the headliner: Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Now we talked about this a little bit last episode, and I've I've had some thoughts on this that I've been ruminating on. Because if they were going to go ahead with, you know, UFC 249, April 18th, and Gaethje was willing, you know, that's that's a fine fight. And there are people out there who think it's cool to say, oh, Gaethje versus Ferguson is a more fun fight and I want that. There are people that think it's cool to believe in a curse that we should not try and book Tony versus Khabib for a sixth time because it's fallen through the first five. I've said it before and I will say it again. They shouldn't be fighting anyone the fuck else. I don't care if it makes you have to make 10, you have to make that fight 10 times. Make it. I don't care if you make Justin versus fucking. I don't know, the winner of uh, Poirier Hooker for an interim title or or, or or Gagey versus Connor for an interim title or whatever and just have them fucking defend the belt until the unified or the undisputed title gets rectified between Tony and and uh, and Khabib. They, we need that fight. And I think, like, again, if this was to, to have taken place over the weekend uh, at April on April 18th, fine, put Gagey in there. He's ready, you know, well, not ready. I mean, it's a short, short notice, but he was willing to go. Like, let's do it. That's fine. But now that you have more time, no. I'm not a fan of this fight. I'm just not. And yes, it's going to be better stylistically to have Gaethje with a little bit more of a camp. And um, let's talk a little bit about Tony making weight. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much because someone asked about it in the forum, which I'm, I'm so grateful for. But... Uh, I don't pretend to be an expert on anything like that. I'm not a doctor for sure. I just play one on TV. Just kidding. But I don't sure if it's healthy to make weight and then have to do it again in three weeks. Uh, roughly three weeks. I mean, come on. But I I, I just don't. And and I don't. I I know they do it on the Ultimate Fighter, but that's technically. Or they do worse on the Ultimate Fighter, actually. But that's all, like people talk about they have, um, you know, kidney problems and things like that going out of the Ultimate Fighter, and that's usually why people fight up a weight class or two on the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, there's a guy who is 
I think from Newcastle or Manchester or one of those places, but he's actually Italian. Like he has a really Italian name, but his you listen to his dialect, it sounds like so like uh, like Newcastle. And uh, he was meant to fight um, Tim Elliott on short notice, but then couldn't make weight. And it was because a uh, flyweight at one twenty five, and it was because he was tr- he was training to be on the Ultimate Fighter undefeated season that DC and Stipe coached at featherweight. He was willing to go up two weight classes to get a shot in the UFC. And that's what people do because they know that they're going to have to cut weight anyway. And and most people are going to be fighting up. So they won't necessarily be fighting bigger guys, you know? So like Tony did that on the ultimate fighter at 170. you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's not even, it's, it's a big question mark around this fight, in my opinion, that he has already made weight. And I was, I was standing for him online. I, 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 I always will, will do that. I'm a big Tony fan, and I I think that was great for him. Like, it also shouldn't really matter that much if he wants to do it, he wants to do it. But that should also be taken into account when talking about how he's going to perform against Justin Gaethje. It's crazy. It's a mad world we're living in. Especially, especially, and here's the other thing that, that makes me a little uncomfortable about it. When you cut weight, your immune system depletes a little bit you're you're lowering uh or raising your risk for infection or, or what have you like shit happens all the time during weight cuts and you know like i remember reading a tweet once from patrick wyman and uh, i'm not the biggest fan of him but uh he is a very 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 intelligent guy i think he has like a phd in history and he made a tweet once i think it was regarding like ray borg missing weight and he said, or or might have been Ian McCall or someone, uh, and they said that they got sick, but it didn't have to do with the weight cut. And he said, if you are depleting your organs and dehydrating yourself, any ailments you then incur are 100% due to that weight cut. And I said, yeah, that makes fucking sense, dude. So... I'm I'm just not thrilled about the idea of this fight going going down. I'm I'm just not, but I I'm hopeful, uh, and I want to remain optimistic. And I I, mean, I don't want to keep being that broken record every week of saying, guys, let's pump the brakes, let's let's stop this happening. I don't want to be on a soapbox. I don't want to be the guy that's, you know, some someone made a good point about Luke Thomas, and this is uh, got a shout out my man Anthony Hernandez, season salt, saying that when he watches Luke Thomas, he feels like uh, he's a guy who's like been sentenced to a life of covering a sport that he does not enjoy. And I don't want to sound that. I don't want to sound like that. I just, I just feel at the moment, like that's the case because I I feel a little bit on an Island, pun intended, fight Island. (laughs) Um, I feel like a little bit on an Island when I say, I don't want these fights to happen. I don't know. But that's it. That's UFC 250. And those are my thoughts. And I had to get them out. I had to get them out. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to have some LA stories. And we're back. So I mentioned this is going to be a new segment. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to last. One, uh, it's mostly a segment that's going to happen while there are no fights. Uh, Just uh, one way to kind of break up the monotony a little bit and, and 
to sort of reminisce, but also I may eventually run out of stories. <laughs> like I'm not sure if I want to continue it when the fights do resume. So and we also don't know when the end will be in sight. So there's just kind of a that's the thing. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna just tell like one or two stories per per episode, depending on how long the stories are. And uh, this was actually um, inspired by a conversation I was having with uh, Laura Purple Pants. So shout out to her. And it was because she posted uh, a story that she looked like Charlene Yee. And I was like, oh my gosh, you look like Charlene Yee. Uh, and I, um, I had mentioned that I had a little story about her. And she was like, you should tell on the podcast, like do a whole segment about it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, so first of all, if you don't know who Charlene Yee is, you don't have to pause it because people should know that you can do podcasts while doing other things. Um, but look her up right now. Charlene is spelled C-H-A-R-L-Y-N-E. And her last name, Yi, is Y-I. And uh, she has been in, like, Knocked Up. She played Martin Starr's girlfriend. Um, like, the that weird couple, if, if you'll remember from, from Knocked Up. The one that was like can you feel that baby? Like she always says like weird stuff. She was also, if you watch the show Lucifer, um, which you should, obviously she played the angel Azrael who originally was like, um, Miss Lopez's like not imaginary friend, but like her ghost friend. Um, and it turns out it was just the angel that she was pretending to be the ghost friend for, for the girl. Um, she's phenomenal. She's hilarious. And, uh, I was at a, um, a theater in, in in LA called the UCB Theater, Upright Citizens Brigade. It's an improv theater primarily, but they do just sort of like random comedy shows there too. And I believe this was during a thing they, they do called um, Not Too Shabby, which is like a, it's like takes place at like Friday nights at midnight. And it's a, a random amalgamation of people like testing out new material and they send in like their pitches and they just do it. And I remember I went with some friends of mine and um i was with this girl at the time and uh charlene yi came on stage i couldn't i didn't know it was her at first because she actually this is like such a weird bit right it was so weird um and i don't even know if it turned into anything if it ever did because it, in my opinion it was hilarious as hell but i don't know i it was just an opportunity to perform like i don't even know that she was necessarily showcasing it um but she literally put on like very well done like old lady makeup and she also normally wears glasses and those were off so that's already like a big like kind of a throw off and then she had like a wig and was dressed up like an old russian jewish grandma or something like that like an old babushka or something like that and this was keep in mind this was like 2009 so the office was like in its heyday and that's what she said she said jokes were fucking going strong right and i was fucking a freshman or no not a freshman a sophomore in college and uh i definitely she said something in her set which is not really a set like whatever during during her act during her bit um and i'm a terrible audience member or i was i've grown to like learn to shut the fuck up sometimes but i i like when performances are interactive and so like when i'm watching a play or a movie i think people should always shut the fuck up like, there's no reason to talk during those at all ever but when it's like a comedy show like i like to like shout things out because 
I fucking can't contain myself, which is dumb. I know. But I, she said something, and I was in the front row, mind you. This is like a black box, like 100-seat theater, and uh, I was in the front row. And she said something, and I was like, that's what she said. And I don't know why I fucking said it. It was like word vomit. And she looked at me and like just started slowly coming toward me and then points to my date and is like, is that what she said? Is it? And then like made both of us really uncomfortable. And I just like, I felt like two inches tall. I was just like, oh my God. And then this is the crazy part. So if you know Charlene's comedy, it's very off the wall, very unique. And sometimes just like pushes the envelope kind of in a, in a weird way. Um, she then at one point gets, uh, she had a little pot that was full of oatmeal and <laughs> starts eating it. And then she calls my friend up, uh, who is, uh, my good friend, Andrew, who you've heard me talk about on the podcast. He comes up to the stage and then this is, this must've been like near Christmas time. She pulls out a fucking pickle from the oatmeal and pretends it's mistletoe and holds it up above uh, their heads and says, you have to kiss me. And her mouth is full of oatmeal, like so gross. And <laughs> he starts leaning in and I was talking about it with him. I'm pretty sure they did kiss with her having a fucking mouth full of oatmeal, but I also can't remember if it just got really close and, um, <laughs> And it was just for like shock value. And then she was like, get away. Actually, that might have happened. It might have, she might have said like, get away from me, you freak. Even though it was part of her bit. Uh, listening to me tell that, it might not be as funny as it was in my head. But that was a crazy fucking story uh, involving Charlene Yee. And by the way, both the stories I'm going to tell today are having to do with like somewhat celebrities, but that's not the point of these necessarily. It's more just like slices of my own life. And it's just kind of little funny anecdotes of my time in LA. And I get that like, see, I think name dropping is terrible. And I'm not by any means saying like, oh, I know these people or whatever. Like these are just random interactions that I've had. And uh, like I said, they're not all with um, celebrities or people of know. These are just sort of the ones that first came to mind when I was building this segment. Um, so just keep in mind that I know how it sounds, but I'm not, it's not meant to sound that way because my next fucking story is when I worked at a burger restaurant in college, which you guys have heard me talk about before, cause it was called juicy burger. I would work, they would stay open until 4am because it was on Hollywood Boulevard surrounded by a bunch of clubs and last call is at 2am. And what do drunk people need when they want to, um, not be sick and disgusting. They need to get like greasy food in their system. So they would all come to, to this place for a burger. And the fucking place was packed. It literally got to the point where, and this had already happened before I started working there. They had to hire security that we literally had to have a bouncer at the door because there were fights breaking out. There were guys being creepy. Uh, I mean, one time, like this is just, just an example of how like, crazy people things uh, crazy things people say here that has nothing to do with anybody one time i was taking this girl's order and this guy starts hitting on her during the order i'm like bro she's trying to order food what do you what is wrong with you and then he said something that sort of made her laugh but she was also like very uncomfortable and he goes yeah i got that pussy in a trance girl <laughs> i was like dude that's the worst fucking line i've ever heard you're disgusting get the fuck out of here um but so I would, like shit like that would go down during the shifts all the time. And 
at one point it got so crazy. I'm taking orders after orders. Like there was no, there was pretty much from like midnight or like 1230 on, it was just like nonstop transactions until 4am. That's how it always was. Like we would get slammed and it would get nuts. And because of that, like sometimes people would come in and not get noticed because everyone's so drunk and it's so busy that sometimes uh, celebrities would just like dip in and dip out real quick. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck just happened? One time P Diddy came in and he may or may not still be called P Diddy. I don't know. I haven't kept up ever since I've been like 10 years old. He's had eight fucking different names. Puff Daddy, Puffy, Sean Combs, Sean Puffy Combs, whatever the fuck. He's P Diddy to me. Uh, I think that's the most recent one. Anyways, I'm going to go with it. Uh, and I'm not someone that's like a huge fan of his, uh, but he's also just like a massive star. And I, th- I felt like a little starstruck at one point. I was like, is that really fucking Diddy? And I remember actually thinking that he was looked taller in person. Like usually it works out the other way. Like you think like, oh wow, he's shorter in person. I remember thinking he was taller in person. I was like, oh cool. And quick backstory, it's a, it was like a custom burger joint where you would build it like with whatever toppings and whatever patty you wanted. And that would like, not freak people out, but it would confuse the hell out of them when it was their first time. And they'd be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. But I could tell he was about to leave if he couldn't figure it out. And I was just like, hey, want me to make it real easy? Just tell me what you want. You don't have to fill out the form. I'll make three burgers. He's like, yeah, perfect. Three, medium well, put some cheese on it, side of fries, large Coke, boom, and just leaves like that quick. Hands me the card, swiped it, and then leaves. And then these dudes came up right now. They were like, we're with, we're with Puff. We're with his entourage, whatever. Uh, you know, leave us the food, wherever. I'm like, okay, cool. Now we got unlocked. My fucking coworker was uh, a guy that had just graduated from some like little like two-year program in the area that was called, I think it was called like LA Recording School or whatever, where people would go to learn how to be like a, a quote-unquote like sound engineer, which is basically just people trying to learn how to produce their own music and things like that. And he was an up-and-coming rapper. Um, actually has some had some good music. He let <laughs> me demo one time. Um, he was from Jordan, the country, and his rap name was, I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong, it was like Hanan Anas, which is the people's words in Arabic, which I thought was really fucking dope. Um, but he would mostly like rap about like fucking like pussy and things like that. <laughs> like it wasn't like whatever. But he was like, oh, when I rap in Arabic, it's real political. Um, but whatever. Um, the English rap was like really, uh, you know, explicit. Um, but he missed Puff entirely. And... Um, then he once they said that, then he told him he's like that was that was fucking Diddy? like what the fuck? And then he starts talking to the dudes to the point where he's like almost ignoring customers. I was like, bro, get out of here, just leave. And then at, when when the food's ready, he goes, do you think if I give you my demo that it would possibly be listened to? These dudes laughed at him and said, if I'm honest, we'll probably just roll weed on top of it. And he, being a stoner, was like, that's something. <laughs> I thought it was so goddamn ridiculous. I'm like, bro, imagine thinking that that's a claim to fame to, to say that, you know, my CD was used as a weed tray for fucking P-Diddy. Like, I don't know. It was one of those, like, weird LA things that makes you, like, not want to be there, but also glad that you were. Anyway, that's, uh, that's it for this segment. More of those to come. Uh, again, they're, they're not always going to be about like random celebrity shit. Cause that's kind of cringy, but that was, uh, the ones I could think of for this one. So we're going to be doing this probably next week. And depending on how, uh, the reaction goes, maybe that'll be the last week. So just let me know. 
And uh, if you like it, we can continue it. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the forum. This is where we hear from all the lovely people of MMA Twitter. Not only actually hear from them, but we also hear from them on Twitter. Um, and let's start with the voice questions first. Uh, the first one is from my main man, Jim Assoon. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Juice, all you juice heads. Hope everybody's doing good. I got a question for you. What's your thoughts on Tony cutting that weight? I think it's kind of ludicrous, but, you know, we are talking about Tony Ferguson here, so... Par for the course, right? But what do you think we've been cutting that weight and now turn around and do it again May 8th? Possibly. You know, unless he knows it ain't going to happen. So he just did it anyways. You know, I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. I see staying in the 60s, you know what I mean? Floating that area, so you're close to it. And that way, when it comes time and you cut weight in two more weeks from now, boom, you're on it, you know? But anyway, that's my question, man. Thanks for the content keep it up and it's always 420 base my man um if you're listening to this on the day it comes out it'll be 420 tomorrow but there's also a good chance you may be listening to it on 420 so in that case smoke them up huh i mean it like you said it's always 420 you know smoke them anyway um no this is a great question and uh you know i have some thoughts i i said a lot of them in my uh in my opening and i meant to not say all of them but it didn't just sort of happened but i have some additional thoughts so i I listened to tony ferguson's interview with ariel hawani that he did like moments after making the weight basically like he made the weight sent a picture of the scale with a bunch of journalists i think he did live on ig as well um just uh just a different human being entirely and first of all you should listen to the interview but know that he doesn't actually give a uh concrete reason of why other than to prove that he's um just mentally tougher than everyone else um not that i'm necessarily making that claim just sort of prove to himself that he's sort of a cut cut from a different cloth um and and just sort of do it do it for his fans and supporters to prove that he would have been ready anyway uh i just think it's uh it's something that he has his reasons and um you know he also said that if anyone asks him about it that has a problem with it, he's only going to answer if it's from like another athlete or a doctor or somebody. And I'm like, well, that's, that's fair, but also you should be having that conversation anyway. Uh, I don't know. You should have maybe consulted those things. He said he was working with his nutritionist team, per- perfecting athletes um, during that whole time. And uh, I have my thoughts about them. I, I don't know enough about that world to really like break them down or build them up either way. But uh, notoriously, like, Joanna buried them for, for botching her weight cut. Ray Borg also buried them, even though he said that it wasn't necessarily their fault, but he still parted ways after he missed weight, which I mean, Ray, Ray Borg misses weight more than he makes weight, so that's not even probably their fault. And then Bisping said that once his, his manager, Adi, uh, tried to get him to go with them, uh, for one camp and they did some things like they wanted him to send a picture of his tongue to figure out now that's a legitimate thing where it's probably done better if you can actually look at it by a doctor like live in person but you, you can tell by a person's tongue if they have certain like b vitamin deficiencies things like that like that's an actual science i'm willing to to believe in with certain things but not from a like a weight cutting company 
necessarily doing it with a picture. I don't know that I, I like that, but it's, it's not entirely unheard of. So, so there's just some weird things I've heard about perfecting athletes. Um, but, but they were sort of coaching him through the whole process, even, even though, which is good. I mean, good on them to kind of stand behind their guy. And, uh, if he wants to do it, sort of, I don't know, help him out so that he at least does it safely or as much as possible. Um, but it, it's a good point you bring up now, as far as him, like staying in the sixties and sort of keeping that floated, I don't know that weight cutting necessarily works like that, especially afterwards. Sometimes guys balloon up. And so that might be a problem. I mean, Tony, even like after just doing that, that weight cut and doing the interview, which was like 15 minutes at the end, he was like, got to wrap it up. Got to go for another workout. Like the, the guy's nonstop. The guy's an animal. So um, maybe he does stay in that range. I mean, the picture that he was sending to journalists before was him weighing a 163, sort of like before, you know, ringing out that extra water or whatever. So that's good if he stays that way. But I don't know that's necessarily the goal either. Like sometimes, uh, I don't know, people, people that cut weight regularly or maybe not regularly like wrestlers do, like MMA fighters that do it, you know, three or four times a year, they kind of like to bulk up a little bit so that they can lose sort of lean fat and see, I, I don't even know enough about it to, to really offer like an educated opinion on it, but I, I know that the way they do it, they don't necessarily stay low, which I don't always agree with. Um, but I think Tony said he, he normally walks around like 178 uh, during camp. So I hope he at least stays close. I, I would hope he stays under 170. I mean, this shit is dangerous. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know that the weight cut will will help him like doing it already and then doing it again. I don't know that that will help him because he will be lighter or if it'll be worse. I don't know enough to say one way or the other. I would actually tend to say worse just, just being my skeptical self. But, uh, I would like to remain on the optimistic side. Good question. Go follow Jim guys. Go follow Jim as soon. He's the man. Hey juice. Happy Saturday. This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz, not Solo Shoes, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just sitting here working on an edit. Thought of something that I wanted to ask you. Um, I'm sorry, it's quarantine, COVID related, sort of. Um, just wondering what you think is going to be the biggest change in life moving forward because of all this. Um, yeah, I think we all know that. There's no such thing as going back to normal. Uh, people are shouting to go back to normal, but that that's not possible, I don't think, anymore. I think this really changes things. So, yeah, I'm just wondering what you think is going to be this, the most significant change anymore. Uh, I read somewhere recently that uh, China has moved from shaking hands back to bowing um, officially, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, so just want to hear your thoughts. Wow. Great question. So I'm going to try and be a little more positive and optimistic these days. Um, and I'll say this. My biggest prediction, I guess, for life after, a, you know, post-pandemic, if you will, is just that it will be um, hopefully a catalyst for pushing us into a new age of, of technology. Um, technology uh, has existed for us to be able to, for more people to be able to work from home over the last like five years already, but, um, haven't done it enough or to be able to work remotely. And, uh, 
I would just I would just hope that not only that I'm not just saying that you know everyone can can stay working from home uh, but uh, just that people will realize that technology has existed um, for a while for us to be able to do things that we you know want to do via technology and not necessarily face to face for years and that they can sort of it would also be a catalyst to invent new technology because necessity is the mother of, of invention so we now have a necessity to create new technology to create new inventions that will uh that will support uh this new i don't know world we live in so I'm going to, I'm going to try and be positive and say that but great question, Dave, go follow him and go follow uh, his solo shoes account as well. Uh, he's, uh, does some great things with that. And, uh, he's got another one. That's not really a question, but it's just a shout out. And I said before, um, well, I said a while ago that I, I changed it to kind of being one, uh, sort of question per person on, on each, whatever method, if, if you will. But, uh, during this whole I don't know, dry spell with the UFC with lack of fights. I'm opening it up and uh, I might limit it to two, but at least, you know, send as, as many as you want. Anybody listening. Hey, what's going on, Juice? This is Dave Fretz again at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Just checking in to say, hey, hope you're doing well. Wanted to say hi to everybody out there during the quarantine and hope everybody's hanging there, keeping their sanity. Uh, right now, though, I'm hoping that uh, Oli Ra is listening uh, from Down Under. Hope you're doing okay, man. We miss seeing you on uh, the timeline on Twitter. Hope you're catching a breath of fresh air. But, yeah, I just really wanted to check in with you and make sure you're doing okay. We miss you. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Yes, love that guy. Shout out to Oli Ra. I hope you are listening. Um, him and I have uh, communicated on WhatsApp a little bit just to kind of maintain a little bit of a connection, which is important to me. And, uh, you know, he, he inspired a new segment that's going to, well, not a new segment, um, but uh, something else that's going to come up later in the forum, uh, I believe was sort of inspired by him as well. So shout out to Ali Ra. Hi, Juice. It's Laura. I just wanted to say Hi. And what do you think about Nate fighting Habib? I think it would be a good fight. I'm also drunk as fuck. But I love you. Bye. <laughs> so drunk. So drunk. Laura said that she caved in and, and, and finally bought a bottle of Proper 12. Um, shameless plug. I did a review of Proper 12 Whiskey, Connor's Whiskey, on episode 18 of my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions which is the sort of the predecessor for this. And um, <laughs> this bitch is so drunk. <laughs> shout out to Laura. And uh, again, shout out to her for, for inspiring the LA story segment. Now I saw, I saw you post that this is one of your dream fights. And I got to say young crack. No, I'm just kidding. As far as stylistically, there's not much about this fight that interests me, but the buildup to this fight would be unfucking real. First of all, you have Nate, who in many interviews has said that he considers himself the the lineal champ because he slapped Habib at a PFL event or a World Series of Fighting event. Maybe it was before the name change, and he didn't respond, and his boys got scared or whatever, and so he thinks he's the champ because he slapped Habib, and that is the most Nate Diaz thing of all time. 
So you got to feel like that's going to be mentioned at least five times during the buildup. Whenever I slapped you, I'm the champ. I slapped you. Like, we're going to hear that a lot. We're also going to hear uh, just Habib saying the most ridiculous things he's ever said, probably. He's like, you're not a real gangster. You're not gangster. I bury people for a living. I do this. Uh, I wrestle bear. You wrestle kids. You know, like, things like that. We're going to hear a lot. I fucking... Dude, I would love for this fight to happen. But I, I think I think it would be pretty, like, Nate has has been dominated by like nick and nate both sort of have been dominated by wrestlers for a lot of a lot of their career and there's probably a bunch of ds fans listening who are like really mad that i said that and are going to maybe excite examples of when they be wrestlers and that's fine you know there's there's exceptions to every role but for the most part that's kind of their kryptonite and when you have habib who's probably like the best wrestler and that's like his main game i don't see it being a very competitive fight i mean Nate's very good off his back as well. Like this is one of the reasons that the Tony fight intrigues me about him, and I think that could be really cool. But um, I, I I don't know. I just I don't see it being like this great fight. But especially like if it happens somewhere where like Khabib also likes to fucking like ground and pound is his main thing, and that would just open up a bunch of those cuts. And I feel like it might be a doctor stoppage situation, like it was in the Mosfidal fight. Like there's just there's so many like weird things about it that make it not that intriguing. But there's plenty that does make it intriguing, and I'm 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 gonna say it's mostly the the build up, like how they would promote the fight, and how like they might fucking find some cell phone footage of that slap, like if it exists out there. You know, maybe some guy's going to get like 10000 bucks from the UFC for like sending that. That would be cool. <laughs> Just certain things. And I feel like I feel like they they should use some of like Eddie Bravo's uh, promotional ideas that he had for the Connor and Nate fight, which were which were really cool that they never used. I mean, obviously, it was, it was like said on as, as a joke on Joe Rogan's podcast. So it's not like that was ever pitched. But I remember uh, I can't remember if it was like. Uh, right before the first one or the second one, but Eddie Bravo was like, "Dude, they should have, they should have them in like a situation. You know, like when you talk to someone in jail when you're a visitor, and you have to talk with those, that phone through the glass. Like they should have that so that there's no possibility of them touching, but that they can be as nasty as they want. Or you take like two big heavyweights at the time. He said like Overeem and like Ben Rothwell." Um, but you know, you could do fucking like Francis and Rosenstrike or Francis and goddamn, uh, I don't know, uh, Stefan Struver, like just anyone like massive heavyweight that would hold them back and just let them talk all the shit they want. That's the kind of thing that I need to see in, in marketing. Uh, UFC's PR department, hit me up or hit up Betty Bravo. Cause that motherfucker has some crazy ideas. What's up, buddy? It's, uh, it's Yugi. It is 4.33 in the morning. It is a day before my birthday, April 19th. My birthday is tomorrow, April 20th. So I'm going to take an honorary bong rip before I take my question or before I ask you my question. So, Ooh. That was a big one. All right, I'm quiet too because it's fucking my girlfriend's sleep. But um, and I'm not gonna edit this. I don't even care. My question is, we can all pretty much agree on who the top three lightweights are: uh, Khabib, Tony Ferguson, and Gaethje. Who's number four? Uh, big fan as usual. Um, yeah, that's it. I would like to know what you think.
Take it easy, buddy. Peace. Wow, this is a great question, and and it's tough. It's tough to answer because if if you want to talk about an all of MMA, there's so many options out there. Um, but even even if we're just limited to the UFC, I feel like it's maybe not even just one answer. Because as much as people like to discredit him and, and hate on him, you can put Connor in there. Um, even though his his recent fights have been at 170, um, or at least his, his last one was at 170, and that's looked like what he's trying to do anyway, he's still sort of in the lightweight title picture. You can also say Poirier is a great... Um, uh, is a great option. Even though he just lost, he's still sort of in his prime and can probably beat most of the rest of the division. You could also, if we're if we're again opening up, I would put Michael Chandler in there. Although he's not looked good as of late, um, he's a fucking bad dude, and uh, I feel like he could beat up a lot of the UFC's lightweight roster. Um, Patricio Pitbull obviously is a good uh, option. And uh, I know this is this is not to say that I'm going to pick this next guy, but let me just say, and this is not directed at Yugi because he actually said something about uh, this guy on his podcast, but it was more it's more directed about uh, just fucking assholes on Twitter. Uh, and by the way, regarding his podcast, listen to it; it's fucking great. I poke MMA, I love it. Keep doing it. Keep keep putting out great content. I fucking love it, even if it's not MMA related. I love it. Um, but dude, we got to stop calling Eddie Alvarez a can. There is fucking lunatics online saying Eddie Alvarez is a can. And I just have to say, who raised you? Because that is not something a normal human would say to call Eddie Alvarez a can. Are you fucking out of your mind? Now, if you're just trolling, which is something that is so dumb to me, then fine. But if you're actually, if you actually think that put on a vest with pockets and take a hike Eddie Alvarez is not now, nor will he ever be a can. Okay? Wow. But great question, Yugi. Like you said, there's no there's no wrong answer there. I mean, there is a wrong answer, but there are many right answers. Um, fucking A. Great question. And that moves me... Uh, that uh, We're done with the voice questions. No, I'm sorry. We have one more from from Seth and uh, here's his question hey Juice MMA Catfish so I don't know if I have a question as much as a rant this week because I just can't get over that fucking picture that Tony posted of him with four other people in the gym arms around each other all smiles training like, this is exactly why we should not have fights under the current situation. We clearly cannot trust anyone to actually isolate and take good care. You know every single one of those people is in contact with four other people who are in contact with four other people and so on and so on. Just like in high school, whoever you sleep with, you're sleeping with everyone they slept with. And besides that... I want to talk about people who probably don't make good decisions. One is Eddie Bravo, a flat earther, and the other is Chad Mendez, a fucking doper. Y'all can like him all you want. Woo, Red Pack, yeah. He's a doper. He's a cheat. I don't know. Uh, end rant? Yeah, let's go with that. End rant. 
sir, I'm going to need you to calm down a little bit. Okay, I'm going to need you to calm down. And by the way, him and I are mostly in agreement with with regards to the situation uh, as far as the you know morality and, and things like that of whether or not we should be having these fights. Uh, Seth is a little more hardcore than I am, but um, I mostly agree with you. But we have to talk about the slander in regards to Chad Mendes and Eddie Bravo. And now I'm not a big Chad Mendes fan. I'm not sitting here like what you said about, ooh, I don't know about the Rat Pack. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Alpha Male. I don't know if they've ever been called the Rat Pack. But to call him a doper is largely unfair. Because first of all, what he got caught for from USADA was a, an ingredient that was in his psoriasis cream. Which, if that was uh, something that happened now, he would have got a three-month retroactive suspension that would have been over. And he probably would have eventually got a TUE also. It was something that it was his fault because he didn't check the label. But it's not something that in my opinion, is something that gives you uh, like a huge benefit and he had a, a legitimate medical reason for using it. Um, the cream that is and this ingredient which is in the cream. So just, just to, this is my problem with USADA is that people are being labeled as cheaters because they get a sanction and that's not always the case. Uh, and I, I just think that it's not fair to call Chad Mendez a, a, a doper, you know, and a cheat. And if anything, it speaks to, uh, you know, someone... In regards to this situation, it, it speaks to, I don't think it speaks to bad decisions so much. It, just spe it speaks to a mentality of wanting to win at all costs, which you could relate to, you know, not necessarily taking the proper care uh, because just want, wanting to be part of this. But, but he's, a, he's a training partner, so I don't know that that's uh, relevant. I mean, it is relevant to what you said, that people aren't taking proper care to isolate and things like that. I get that. And that's very true. But uh, I, I just don't know that it's fair to call him a doper and things like that when, when you're talking about decision making. And now Eddie Bravo being a flat earther, I, I will always give flat earthers a hard time because it's a goddamn ridiculous theory. Uh, but someone that questions things and someone who is a conspiracy theorist is uh, not necessarily an invalid thing uh, because Eddie's uh, willingness to think outside the box and his, his willingness to question things is what caused him to create 10th Planet in the first place and develop a new sort of system of jujitsu, uh, which is sort of like a different branch of the jujitsu tree, if you will. And it's it's thinkers like that that are going to get us through the situation. Now, it may be a little reckless in, in regards to his, his method about things, but um, I know from personal experience that my... Um, my willingness to question things or my uh want to further investigate things is what leads me to take more precautions it's why i spend 30 minutes after every trip to the grocery store wiping everything fucking down and and, and going crazy so uh, i don't know that that's necessarily something that he should be discounted for but um if you want to rant about it i i get it and i and i i feel where you're coming from about that and uh you know Tony has always trained like that. He's always trained in isolation. He's always trained with just a few people. He doesn't really belong to a camp. He doesn't really belong to a gym. He's got his own guys. He brings in training partners. And so he's kind of set up to succeed during this whole thing because of how he operates. Um, you know, so so that's just where I stand on that situation. But I, I get it, you know, Mr. Catfish. So uh, thank you. Thank you for sending that in. And I really appreciate you. Uh, sending your thoughts in all the time and don't let my response to this discourage you because it's always welcome. 
Now, the next uh, order of bidness is uh, this is sent to me. This is what I alluded to earlier by saying that Ali Ra sort of inspired this uh, because Ali Ra sent me an Aussie slang quiz a long time ago, if you remember. This is when Izzy won uh, the Undisputed Championship against Robert Whitaker, I think was the first time we did it, if you go back to that episode. And um, this is a Scouse quiz. Uh, this is uh, from Fight Talk TV on Twitter. Uh, shout out to that guy uh, sending me some some phrases uh, and some words that they they use uh, that the scousers use and uh, wanting me to uh, guess it I'm gonna do my best I'm gonna do my best to to do these in a scouse dialect I don't know that it'll be good um, but I'm gonna try some of them are like multiple uh, words most of them are multiple words but I'll try and uh, discern what's some of them are like synonyms and some of them are actually like two different words for the same thing. Um, or sorry, in the same question, but different words entirely. The first one is wool slash woolly back. You're speaking like a right wool juice, like, and I think if I'm correct, is our wool a woolly back refers to someone who is from a different part of England. Um, I want to say it's Manchester, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe it's oh, Bisping talked about this on this podcast. I fucking I fucking don't know. No, it's not Manchester. I don't think. Mm. Anyway, I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. If that makes sense. And the second one is lad slash scona slash fella mate. So uh, you're right, scona going to the game tonight with your old fella. I think that's just like, well, lad is like, bro, like, mate, like, it's a guy, you know, lad, you know, scona, I think that's just like, like, maybe another word for scouser, maybe, maybe it's like, uh, a fucking, uh, um, I don't really know, me, uh, fella's boy, but fella, with your old fella makes it sound like, uh, Fucking, um, fucking like uh, husband or something like that, like your fucking boyfriend or whatever. Um, the third one is bird slash scran. Says can't mate, sorry, taking the bird out for some scran tonight. Um, I know this one actually. I think bird is like uh, like a, a girl that you're trying to bang uh, or that you are banging. And uh, scran is probably food. I'm going to drop the dialect because it's really bad. And I don't want to fucking disrespect the <laughs> scousers that listen to this podcast because I love each and every one of you. Um, the fourth one is gutted. Uh, there's three words actually. Gutted, chaka, and rammed. It says, went down to the Asda yesterday. Gutted to see it was chaka, proper rammed in there. Didn't even get served. Um Asda is probably like a well, I don't have to guess that anyway it's probably like a, a store um, I would say chaka and round probably mean the same thing and that's probably this means like it's packed um, gutted obviously that's a that's what we use here too even um, that means like you're like disappointed or like uh, like really upset like oh I'm gutted um, like when the use of the news of UC249 getting cancelled broke I was gutted for those fighters things like that 
Um, next one says swerve. Nah, mate, swerve the Asda. My mate told me it was proper rammed. Um, yeah. Um, swerve is avoid, I'm going to say. Next one is ale slash bevy. Get the ale in, lads. Gasping for a bevy. Obviously, that's a drink. Ale is beer. Bevy is beverage. Short for beverage is uh, beer. Um, the next one says divvy, D-I-V-V-Y, slash meth, slash muppet. Seen this proper divvy like. He's a rad myth him. Shagging about like a muppet. Um, uh, I don't know if those are all synonyms. Muppet. I feel like I see a lot of people from the UK calling Henry Cejudo a Muppet. <laughs> like, I think that's just like a degrading term for like a fucking like an asshole or a piece of shit or whatever. Or someone who's like a clown. Like someone who's just like, I don't know, an idiot. Uh, and I would I would think that those probably other mean the same things too. Like Divi is just like a, uh, probably some deeper meaning as well. But um, I'm going to guess that it means like someone who's fucking like crazy like a divvy might be like a crazy person it's a rat myth him that's funny um the next the last one is clobber slash skint tell you what mate desperate for some new clobber proper skint though that's the issue um skint is poor i think or just means like you don't have enough cash um don't know what clobber means but in this context i'm gonna guess it means like clothes or shoes maybe um Let's see if I'm right. Um, so a woolly back means someone who's not scouse, but it's near the surroundings of Liverpool. I was sort of right on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one as a win. I'm gonna take that one as a win. Um, and then it says, uh, "Lad, last gonna fella mate is a friend," and uh, old, which I, I was sort of right on. And then old fella is your old man, which is father. I said husband, so that's gross. Um, I'm gonna give me myself a half a point. Um, Bird is girlfriend, so I was pretty much right there. As Scran is food, I was also right. Um, I'm gonna take those two points. <laughs> um, gutted, sad, disappointed. Yep. Um, Chaka rammed, very busy, crowded. Also got that right. I'm a fucking superstar. Swerve is avoid. Yes. Okay. Ale bevy. Any beer except lager, stout, or porter. Yeah, I'm gonna take that one as well. Uh, Divi, meth, muppet means asshole. Yes. Or just a general insult. Yes, that's exactly what I said. Clobber is closed. Skin is broke. Fuck yeah. Dude, I nailed those. I nailed those. I'm a proper scouse of me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, fucking had a lot of fun doing that. I've always said that, uh, anyone who wants to do this, um, Harry Andrews had sent me some before of like Welsh words. Um, obviously, Ali Rod did it a few times, I said before, but anyone who wants to send me some fucking words from your culture or your if it's a different language i will always um do that i think it's it's just part of um what i said before about mma being like nationalistic and uh how it helps me learn about different cultures and and different uh like cultural pride i guess um so i'll i'll, I'll always integrate that in, into the show and uh shout out to that guy it was a, it was a great um great thing he tried try to send it in via voice so you could actually hear those words and things like that but i fucking uh the we we're having technical difficulties um we couldn't we couldn't get it on but um i have another question from my man jason scott adams at jason scott adams go give him a follow he's a great guy um 
uh, he says, outside of the UFC or Bellator, do you have a favorite fighting organization? I'm partial to Invicta FC since their fight, fights are a mile from my house and I can go, but I would choose Legacy Fighting Alliance. I've loved every card I've seen the last six months. Awesome. Uh, you would like um, Combat Sports with Rhino because he's a big LFA fan as well. Always talks about guys that are on LFA. Always has the fighters on from LFA as well. Um, but uh, for me, I actually... Uh, it's it's hard for me to just pick one. Uh, I really like the production elements of Bellator. I like that they do the ramp and the big like they put together like a video package for every every walkout. It's pretty dope, and they have like pyrotechnics. It's a callback to old Japanese MMA. I really really love that. Um, I also love One FC. I feel like maybe other than the UFC, like they're probably the 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 most like. Uh, skillful like they're they're the, the biggest talent if i can say that i mean it's close between between one and bellator but i also like you said i'm a big invicta fan because um i like women's mma and i like that there's a as an organization that just focuses on women's mma and um i really like that a lot of the the fighters in invicta love to um be unique with their personalities and show showcase their originality and that's um you know, I became a big fan of Roxy when she was in, was fighting in Invicta. So I have a really sort of soft spot for Invicta, and I love that uh, Elias uh, Theodoro is the ring card boy for their for their fights. Um, I love every everything about that. So I'm gonna go with Invicta probably as my number one, but all the other ones I mentioned are are close. Um, great fucking question. I need to 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 do more um, to do more MMA outside of the UFC on this show. I just when the UFC is like in full swing, like there's just too much to talk about with that. That it's sort of hard. Like that's why like the other podcasts exist called like the Bad Moon Rising Pod, that focuses on Rising and things like that. Um, so, so go support those guys. And now let's move on to the Twitter forum. So, I uh, got a question from my man Kim Close at Kim Close underscore four K L O Z. Um, <laughs> this is a fucking random question. <laughs> He's a, at the end. He says, "Excuse me, drunk arse." Um, he says, "Men who are attracted to women clearly have feminine tastes and are therefore probably gay." Discuss, <laughs> sir. That's a bit. That's a bit of a stretch. That's like using the Joe Exotic logic. Uh, which is actually sort of a bit he stole from Ron White, uh, which I wish they would have talked about on the on Tiger King, when he was like, "Oh, I asked him, well, do you like, would you watch porn?" And uh, he was like, "Yeah." Well, do you want do you want the guy with the with the little dick, or you want the guy with the big dick? And he says, "Oh, I want the guy with the big dick." Well, and you probably aren't that straight, ain't you? I mean, that is such flawed logic. Number one. <laughs> number two, are you saying being gay is the most masculine thing? Cause that's actually, that's funny. That reminds me of a line from my favorite movie, uh, my favorite American movie anyway, The Amateurs. Um, <laughs> um, William Fickner plays this character called Otis, who is a uh, uh, he ends up being like the executive producer of the movie that they make. Um, by the way, the The Amateurs is about. I'm getting ahead of myself. The Amateurs is a movie where um, it starts start starring Jeff Bridges and a bunch of other people. Uh, that you would know, like Ted Danson, Tim Blake Nelson, Lauren Graham, 
Uh, I mentioned William Fichter, Joe Pantoliano, John Hawk. Uh, a lot of guys are in it that you know. And um, it's about a small town that bands together to make a full-length amateur uh, porn film. Patrick Fugit is in it as well. And um, <laughs> Otis, at one point, is I think it's when he's trying to recruit Valerie Bergnelli, uh, who is a, a stripper in the movie, to do their film. And he's like, I love women. I love women so much, I don't understand why they're not all lesbians. <laughs> Which makes just so much sense if you think about it. At least from from uh, his perspective. He has probably the best lines in the movie. Because at one point, um, they, they're trying to get actresses to do the to do the film and they they said that we can we can pay them what's called a piece of the back end which is to say that they would get a percentage of the proceeds after we make the movie and otis says he says uh i'll gladly pay you tomorrow to have uh three guys unload on you so you look like a metal kettle today. I mean, that doesn't stand like something that they would be attracted to. I mean, there's just so many great lines. But uh, but no, uh, to answer your question, Kim Close, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, although I do think that more people should know about the Kinsey scale and uh, and realize that uh, that uh, sexuality is, is not like black and white. So that's my quick plug for the day. Uh, next question is from Trance LFC. At LFC Trance, love this guy, OG of the podcast. He says, if you were transported 400 years into the past with no clothes or anything else, how would you prove that you were from the future? That's a good question. So that's um, in the 1600s. And um, it depends where. So 1600s in America is sort of colonial times. And... Um, if I was in colonial time, I mean, I believe Jamestown was settled in like 1609, if I'm remembering my American history correct. Um, that could be wrong. I mean, I know Patrick Wyman, obviously. But um, it would just depend on what is happening all the time. Because my my way of proving it, I mean, A, would probably be my voice. I would, I would sound like no one that they've ever heard. Um, I would sound more modern. I would hope I would use some slang and things like that, but I would also try and pre predict things like, Hey, listen, this is what's about to happen. You know, right now you're ruled by King George and this and this and this and that. And I would uh, talk about the revolution and things like that. Maybe I would be a fucking catalyst to start the revolution sooner. How about that? <laughs> oh, it's actually scary to think about. Um, <laughs> love that question. Uh, he says, Oh, and I would probably like, like if, if I couldn't remember like exact events that were like near the date, um, that I could sort of predict to prove my, um, you know, that I was from the future, I would probably try and, um, invent some technology sooner. Like, oh, here's a problem you're having from not having enough technology. Here's what you need to do to fix that. There's this, this, and this, you know, Ben Franklin's going to find electricity with a key and a kite make that shit happen, and then I, I can tell you how to do other things. Uh, he also says, why is everyone posting boxing videos to Ariel? He couldn't knock out a wet fart. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. Um, that is because he posted a video of doing... Uh, he's uh, He has that um, 
I don't know what they call it, but when you have like a headband that has a string and like, uh, I think it's like an elastic string and a ball on the end of it. And people work on their boxing that way by sort of like lightly, you know, doing combinations on it and it sort of moves differently and you do whatever. He just posted that as a as a way of like how he's staying entertained and getting some light exercise, and he just is encouraging people to do it, um, which I think is cool. Um, fair point about him not being able to knock out a wet fart, but uh, just him just trying to be active. And he actually collaborated with someone who's they they made merchandise for it, and they're going to donate the proceeds, like I think 100% of the proceeds, to. Um, people that are helping out during the quarantine. I think it's a specific charity, but I don't know it off the top of my head. So it's all good. It may annoy you, but it's all good. Next question is from Tricky Rixta at Tricky Rixta, R-I-K-S-T-A. Love this guy. Shout out to you from, from New Zealand, I believe. Great guy. Uh, he says, who would win an MMA fight, Biden or Trump? <laughs> now, here's the thing. If this is an actual sanctioned fight, Neither of them would get medically cleared. I mean, for real. Um, but if they were to somehow fight in like a street fight with MMA rules, um, like in a cage, with gloves, you know, in a corner, that's the other thing. Who would their corner be? Would it be basically like the top three members of Trump's cabinet versus like whoever Biden would pick as his cabinet or like running mates? Or would they get actual coaches? You know, what are we doing with that? You know, I would I would tend to think that the whole cabinet idea would be funny because I would I would think Mike Pence would probably shout some fucking uh, inappropriate shit from the corner, and uh, whoever um, Biden picks, I'm pretty sure he made this statement that he was like I don't know who it's gonna be, but it's gonna be a woman. Which if you don't think he is just sort of uh, saying whatever you think you want to hear, whatever he thinks you want to hear to get your vote, you that should be a fucking red flag. Um, fuck Biden. Um, but he's also the most senile, uh, probably person on the planet, but definitely of the two. And, um, I'm pretty sure Trump's also bigger. And, uh, I think that would play into it a lot. You know, like if they were doing weight classes, they, they would have to do a catch weight. Um, but probably not. They would probably just do open weight. And, um, as much as it pains me to say this, I think Trump will probably beat the shit out of Biden. Like, probably within an inch of his life. Um, that scares me to think about, actually. Um, last question is from my man Fraser at Fuzz LCFC. Great guy. Go give him a follow. He says, where do you rate this upset considering JJ was negative 450 or minus 450 and Rose was plus 350? Has a little video clip of Rose uh, KOing Joanna in their first fight. And actually, I didn't know or I didn't remember until rewatching this fight. Um, but I also think like I may have missed it. Rose basically does like the Hendo thing I've, that he did on Bisping where she fucking knocks her out cold and then does like a diving fucking... Uh, like let's call it an R bomb, a Rose bomb, fucking brutal. Uh, wow. And I can say this like I was there live, and I'm a big Rose fan. So is my wife. That's her favorite fighter. And we, well, she knew that Rose could get it done, but uh, she was nervous for sure. And I was like, you know, I, I, 
I was basically setting myself up for disappointment. I was like, you know, Joanna's on a streak. Like, you have to remember, Joanna at the time was on the cusp of tying Ronda Rousey's record. I believe if she would have done this uh, fight successfully, if she would have won against Rose, she would have tied Ronda Rousey's record. But in my opinion, she was already tied because Ronda's first fight in the UFC against Liz Carmouche counted as a title defense because she was already deemed the inaugural champion. I think that's a bit controversial. Uh, in my opinion, I don't, I don't think belts should be given like that. Yes, it was an absorption from Strike Force that they bought. Yes, she was the first woman signed, but if you're going to have a title fight, have an inaugural title fight. I just think that that was a little bit weird. So, uh, yeah, this was a massive, massive upset. And the other thing that's relevant is, in a, in a way, MMA math, right? Because Rose had a title eliminator against Carolina and lost. Carolina Kovalkiewicz. And Carolina has not looked good as of late, but she was, at the time... I believe undefeated. She was an unstoppable force. She then lost to Joanna in one of Joanna's closest fights, and you want to beat Rose. So, you know, people were using that as a reason why um, Rose didn't have a chance in this, and she absolutely steamrolled Joanna. I mean, beat the brakes off her. So, this is, in my opinion, like top five upsets in UFC history. And I'm not, he references the betting odds, and I don't necessarily go by betting odds when I think that. I mean, it helps to tell the story and it helps to prove your point, but I think it just also matters, like, public perception and uh relative like record and skill set things like that like this this is a massive upset and uh like i don't know about what's the most you know gsp sarah is obviously uh up there like there's there's a lot of of you know uh dillashaw barrow uh ronda rousey holly Holm. those are the probably the, the ones i would list off the top of my head but uh and i, and I don't know where rose yoana one falls into that I don't know if it's greater than any of those or if it's maybe right below them, but it's certainly top five. Great question. And that concludes our show. Um, certainly concludes the forum. Now, if you, if you want to um, get involved, if you want to get your voice heard, um, you can always send me uh, a clip uh, or a DM question at uh, on my Twitter at FWM underscore pod. Um, you can also send it in via Instagram, by the way. I have some listeners that aren't on Twitter and are only on Instagram. You can send it on Instagram, too, at FWM underscore pod. Um, you can also email, if you don't have either of them, you can email me, fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. And uh, I put a link every, I try to do it every Saturday. I've been slacking without fights. I've been doing like early Sunday morning, but this one I snuck it in <laughs> late Saturday night. I put up the post on my on my Twitter and uh, with a link that you can use to send in a voice question, which is also to say that you can download the Anchor app and just search Fighting With Myself and click Message. And that'll, that'll allow you to send in a, a one-minute voice clip, which you can also do by recording on your own and emailing it to me. So there are tons of ways to get involved. I always want my podcast to be a collaborative effort and to hear uh, from other people, um, other people's opinions and just sort of get sort of the pulse of the MMA community involved. And um, I'll just leave you with uh, with a quick with a quick little I don't know statement I guess just to just to try and end on a better note. Um, we all have to get through this together. Um, I know we all have to sort of distance ourselves from from things to sort of maintain a little bit of sanity with 
just processing this, but I also think we need to maintain a sense of togetherness, and I really believe that. So anytime anyone wants to send anything in, even if it's not a question, if you just want to get your voice heard, please send it in. Um, I've gotten some requests for, for guests, um, and uh, I'm, I'm sort of fielding those, but I also did mention that I, I don't want to get the request because I want to I want to I want to seek out the guests that I want and uh I'm sort of working up the courage to do that. So hopefully I can get a guest for you guys next week. If not, it'll just be little old me and uh, hopefully that's enough. So signing off here, this is me, uh Juice. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Um my personal uh Twitter and Instagram is out there to be found. Find it if you will. Um Otherwise, be good to each other and have a wonderful time.